Listening to so much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. And once again, it's good to talk with you all, and I hope you all remain safe and healthy. And here we go with episode 41, which is a rather significant episode as the So Much Pingle podcast kicked off exactly one year ago this weekend. How about that? So this show marks the end of the first season. And somehow I managed to get 41 shows completed in a year's time. And I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, what a year it was. And so now my initial goal before I started the show and back when I still retained some innocence and naivete was to put out a show every week. I mean, how hard could it be, right? So it turns out that for this first season, I averaged a little more than three shows every month, uh, which is pretty good considering, but... uh, That's going to continue to be a challenge for season two because I'm fully vaccinated over here and we're starting to emerge from the global pandemic. Uh, So I will be traveling more. Well, I'm already traveling more. Uh, But uh, I do have my mobile recording gear, uh, which allows me to record shows from remote locations. And this first season, I recorded, uh, you know, a lot of shows across the U.S., uh, but also in Peru. And we did several shows from Mexico and, uh, of course, now Paraguay. Uh, and I expect that will continue. But there's also something to be said for the magic of the internet, uh, which has made it possible to, for me to speak with uh, interesting people who live far away from me. And uh, We've talked with Scott and Jody in Australia and Jeroen in Belgium and uh, Steve up in Canada and uh, Jason down in Mexico. 
And I want to keep that that sort of thing going. And thank goodness for tools like uh, Squadcast, which make it possible to record over the internet with good sound quality and a uh, few interruptions. Uh, because I would be tearing my hair out if I had to keep dealing with the likes of Skype and uh, other primitive tools. I mean, this would have been a far different podcast five years ago. And what a year. Uh, most of you know that I recorded more than half of the shows from my basement from the top of the washing machine, and uh, all while my wife worked from home and the global pandemic played itself out. And it seems kind of crazy to kick off a podcast during such times, but, uh, you know, the show gave me something good to focus on and a way to be creative and uh, a way to learn some new skills uh, like recording audio and post-production editing and interviewing people. Well, I learned so much this year, uh, much more than I can tell you here and probably more than you want to hear. Uh, now, before we get to the actual episode, I've got a lot of thanking to do. I'm not going to read off a list of names because that would just take forever. But uh, first off, I want to thank everyone who supports the show financially. You really do keep the show going. I mean, it turns out that operating an entertainment channel, uh, because that's what this is really, uh, running this thing is expensive and uh, more than I expected back in the fall of 2019 when I was considering this project. Uh, I am retired and I'm on a fixed income and you know, I mean, we're doing okay, but I don't have loads of cash to toss around. And uh, thank goodness I don't have to do this for a living or for financial reasons or, and for many other reasons. Uh, so thank you all for supporting the show and for keeping it rolling forward. I also want to thank all of the folks that you've heard on the show for talking with me and for sharing yourselves and your experiences with the listening audience. And again, no show without you, whether you're a scheduled guest or or someone I handed a microphone to uh, around a campfire or across a table. Uh, time is an expensive commodity, and I thank you all for giving me some of yours. Other things I am grateful for, feedback, suggestions, and advice. I know people are busy with their own lives, and uh, when they take time out to tell me what they like or don't like, or, or they give me suggestions for guests or topics, that means a lot to me, and, uh, and I've also asked a, a number of people for advice on various matters connected with uh, the show, and they've been very generous with their time, and I want to say thank you to everyone for that. And, and you know, I end every show with the, the phrase, I'd love to hear from you, and I mean that. Uh, even constructive criticism, I, I don't want to live in a bubble, you know, so uh, tell me what you think. And of course, I want to thank my wife, Nell, for her support for this and all of my other projects over the years. And, uh, and uh, I also want to thank her for maybe the best advice I've ever been given. If you wait till you can afford it, you'll never go. More than I can say, honey. Thank you. Okay, now let's start moving towards the episode. My buddy Josh Holbrook visited Paraguay years ago and has been talking about it ever since I've known him. And Last summer, he began planning a return trip, a herping expedition, if you will, and I was happy to raise my hand and say, I'm your huckleberry. Uh, but as you will hear, things did not go as planned, but uh, along with the unpleasant things that happened, there were also some very pleasant surprises. Uh, one pleasant surprise was the Isuzu four-door, five-speed, diesel-powered pickup that I drove for the duration of the trip. Now that was a fun truck to drive and perfect for the situation as most of the time we were on sandy roads with some sketchy patches here and there. And if you travel to the Chaco region in Paraguay, I highly recommend that sort of vehicle. And I sure miss that truck. 
So let's get to the roundtable discussion recorded at the Airport Holiday Inn in Asuncion, Paraguay. Now, we recorded this late-night session in the breakfast area next to the hotel lobby, and while I can use filters to take out some echo and other background noises, I couldn't remove the voices in the background as a hotel guest told the desk clerk some long and complicated story. So just so you know, it wasn't one of our crew being rude. Anyway, here we go with the episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The cotton swab. Let's not bring up the cotton swab for this show. Oh, no. We're definitely putting that in the show. That's good because the recording has already started. So oh, it's cotton swabs, <laughs> and, uh, cotton swabs, and uh, it's already rabies attacks. No, yeah, no, rabies no. attack. No, just throw all that. These stuff situations in. that happen on these trips stay on these trips. They don't go on podcasts. They stay here. Are you sure? Yeah. You're he always right. says You're he's going to edit podcast. stuff. He always says edit it out. He always says, "Oh, I'll edit that out." It never shows does. Shows never does. Never does. No. We love it. Well, I, I I suppose we should say uh, where we're at. We are in the Holiday Inn uh, Aviadores in uh, Asuncion, Paraguay. And uh, we're at the end or nearly the end of a successful trip to Paraguay uh, or semi-successful. Some things happened and we're going to talk about some of those things as we go along here. Some things happened and some things were not good. uh, But that's kind of how these things roll. Sometimes you have a really good time and everything falls into place. But uh, other times... uh, they don't, and and that's that's part of the challenge of, of uh, getting out in the field to finding amphibians and reptiles. It's not all cut and dried, and it doesn't always work. So, uh, so I, I thought we'd start by talking about. Uh, first of all, we should probably talk about the folks who didn't make it. Uh, there are seven of us around this table, and one local, and we'll get to Jose in a minute here. But we have seven people here, but we have three people who could not get in the country. So, who wants to talk about that a little bit? Okay. Go for it. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, I'll talk. Uh, so this is a this whole trip has been a little bit of a fiasco ever since day one. Uh, it was probably a year ago we started talking and putting this trip together. That's correct. And our good friend uh, back in the states, Josh Holbrook, uh, was sort of the one putting this whole trip together. And uh, we were rolling with putting everything together, and then we got this wonderful airfare on Avianca from Miami and everybody jumped on it. We got $400 round trip airfare to Paraguay uh, from Miami. So everybody jumped on it and it was great. And that was last July. That was last July after COVID, but before the current restrictions. Uh, so Paraguay changed their entrance requirements for COVID and here we are, we had to conform to everything. Well, uh, definitely with the restrictions they had, they had less people traveling here. Avianca canceled their flight, so we're all flightless. And um, so we all had to rebook flights on different airlines to scramble to get this trip done. At a much higher price. At a much higher price. So that was pretty rough. Uh, but again, Paraguay changed their uh, their entry requirements, requiring a COVID PCR test within 72 hours of departure. And uh, they're pretty serious about it. And uh, the airlines are also serious about it because if, if Paraguay doesn't let you in, the airlines are required to fly you back. So uh, apparently their tests didn't meet the standards of the Paraguay government and they did not get admitted and were sent back. And, and we're after they were already here. 
Right. And so they were talking about uh, Josh, uh, his wife, Becca, and our friend Rachel, Rachel Peterson. And so the three of them had legitimate documents. They had legitimate COVID tests, negative they, COVID tests. They paid for their PCR test. They went to a doctor to get their test, and uh, they were still not admitted. So the, right. for whatever reason, the government didn't like their documents. The rest of us snuck through. And, but and they had already paid for their visa yeah. to get into Paraguay, which is $160 down the tube. Yeah, so yeah, so that's that's a problem. But um, so we were a little worried about the rest of us, too, because that was the beginning group. And uh, but the rest of us all made it. They accepted our all, all of our documents. And and here we are. But they kept changing things. They uh, required travel insurance in, that included coverage, uh, covid coverage. So we all had to get that. Uh, we all had to get um, our PCR test within 72 hours of departure and from the states on the plane that went to paraguay and uh so it was a it was a we all a lot of us got multiple covid tests because the ones that we got weren't sufficient and they weren't uh, quick enough they weren't quick enough so i from i didn't i got two different tests and uh because the first one the results didn't come back in time so i had to get a second test and uh, but here i am i'm very excited it's a great trip and uh, i i feel really really terrible for the three that didn't get to make it and we'll meet back up with you guys um we we thought about you a lot talked about you a lot and uh but all good all good yeah so uh, josh and becca and rachel <laughs> it was like a hard punch you know yeah um and we're very sorry you couldn't come with us and and you know and josh had planned the whole trip so we had to kind of uh improvise and wing it and uh, he helped us out a little bit long distance but we managed to put the uh, uh the trip sort of on on good ground so to speak we were able to hack it out and find some cool stuff yep but, uh, yep the day one was stressful because we didn't know uh well another person that was coming uh, tim's flight got canceled so he was 24 hours late getting in uh i was already on a later flight than most of the group so i was late getting in um, so, I mean, the whole thing was, was so well organized from the beginning and, uh, it just kind of fell apart, but we all got here. We were a day late and, um, getting started. And then right after we got here, a cold front came through. So it kind of slowed everything down reptile wise, but you know what, when at the end of the day, at the end of the trip, uh, all's been great, great company, great people. We really miss the people that weren't here, uh, but you know, it all came together. Thank you. Uh, and so now I'm going to uh, ask uh, our buddy Devin uh, to uh, take over the microphone. He's going to talk with our our local guy, uh, Jose, who lives uh, a, a few hours away from here and uh, has spent a week with us uh, traveling around herping and giving us uh, some good advice and uh, providing some identifications for some tricky species and that. So I'm going to let... Uh, uh, Devin, ask him a few uh, questions about his background and things like that, and then we'll we'll get a translation back. Okay, so I'll just uh, ask Jose a little bit about how he got interested in herpetology and what he does and uh, what his plans are uh, related to herpetology. Entonces, Jose, ¿cuál es tu profesión primero? Bueno, primeramente soy veterinario. A la par, estoy también en la parte de la universidad educando, como docente de la, la facultad. 
Okay, so he's uh, his primary profession is uh, veterinarian, but he also teaches in the uh, local university. What do you teach? Okay, so so he uh, teaches in uh, public health. Uh, Uh, radiography and mammography and, and things like that. So he's uh, branching out far beyond uh, just uh, veterinary work. Uh, and I'll ask him how he got interested in herpetology. ¿Qué fue el motivo para tu motivo para estar interesado en víboros, ranas, lagartos? ¿Cómo has empezado con ese interés? Bueno, eh, empecé de muy pequeño, empecé en, en mi sector justamente trabajando la chacra, eh, cultivando. Encontré una, justamente una filora patagoniensis que estaba tomando el sol. Mm. Entonces, como veía los programas de Jeff Corwin, eh, Steve Irwin, entonces imité eso y agarré, pero por suerte era las 7 de la mañana, hacía un frío y la serpiente no reaccionó. Okay, so he, he got interested in uh, herps uh, very early. Uh, I mean, as a pretty pretty small kid, and uh, he'd watch nature shows. Uh, you know, Steve Irwin, uh, Jeff Corwin, Jeff Corwin, and other ones. And uh, one one morning, he was out in the field uh, doing cultivation, and there was a, a snake uh, sunning itself. It was a cold morning. And so he imitated what he'd seen on the shows and he just grabbed it and, you know, the snake didn't react. It was too cold. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how he got started. Creo que esa primera sensación de tocar, eh, uno piensa que va a ser resbalosa la serpiente y, y creo que el tacto es algo muy importante. Eh, justamente con el niño que vimos allá también, eh, que era una persona que mataba serpientes, de repente tocaba y... Se impresionaba que había sido no no todas son peligrosas. Yeah, so uh, he, he expected that the uh, you know the first contact or the touch would be kind of gross or slippery or something like that, and uh, so he, he thinks that uh, actually having the opportunity to touch snakes or herps is uh, is very important. We had a, a kid, a young young kid that we. Met uh, owner, uh, son of uh, one of the hotel owners, who we got to hold the uh, snake, hold the snake, and uh, you know, and he th he thinks that that is very important to get people past this uh, thing about killing anything that they're not familiar with. Y justamente eso una tarea constante para mí el hecho de de dar a conocer nuestra fauna fundamentalmente con las serpientes, verdad que que en Paraguay serpiente es sinónimo de muerte. Eh, una serpiente que es vista por alguien es casi seguro que se la va a matar. Entonces eso también voy de a poco educando de que tenemos, eh, no siempre es la muerte de una serpiente. Entonces voy de a poco eh, y se ve ese cambio. Yo creo que, eh, que gente se involucre en mostrar que las serpientes no matan, que, el, que eh, los anfibios tienen una vida útil, es muy importante. Y así es que eso que están haciendo ustedes es excelente. A mí particularmente me, me llena de orgullo de que venga gente de afuera a, a disfrutar esto que tenemos. Okay, I'll, I'll sort of translate that in reverse, but uh, it fills him with a lot of pride to see people from other countries coming to Paraguay 
to uh, experience the uh, the herpetofauna that there is here, and uh, for him, uh, education and and uh, getting uh, Paraguayans to appreciate what they have here is critically important, so that they just don't automatically kill any snakes. And uh, you know, for for him, he's focused on education, changing the mentality of people in the long term. Uh, convincing them that these animals, snakes, lizards, frogs, crocodilians, whatever, have it, have uh, a useful purpose in life. They have their own role, their own uh, spot in the ecology, and that they're something that is part of the national uh, patrimony. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, and, and of course, he, uh, he shares many of the same values that we have, uh, and his approach is basically the same approach that we either stumbled upon or watched Steve Irwin or Steve Cor or uh, 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 Jeff Corwin ourselves, right? I mean, the, the idea of getting people's hands on animals uh, is, is, a, uh, is an important uh, aspect of changing their minds about these critters. So, well, not, Jose, I'm going to ask you to pass the mic over to Dermot. And uh, hi, Dermot. It's, hey, it's your, it's your How you first doing? podcast. It's your it first trip to this Paraguay. It's your first big international trip. And you really stepped in at this time, buddy. I know. I mean, I don't know if this was the best first international trip to make, to be honest. But, you know, that's that's the way to jump in, right? I mean, you know, go, go with a really complicated, uh, you know, COVID-tested trip. Um, but it's been fantastic, and so it's been really great, you know, hanging out with Mike and Tim and Matt and Seven and that guy. And that guy. <laughs> we'll get to that guy. We'll get to we'll, we'll get we will get to Jake. We will absolutely get Mike, to Jake. <laughs> oh, I just found out that his middle name was Michael. I didn't know that. It's a very sexy name. <laughs> I'm just saying. So. Yeah, but uh, but yes, this has been. It actually turned out. I mean, yes, this, it it was a rough start. No question. No question. Um, yeah, but, turn it towards uh, you. Oh, sure. There you go. Like that. Oh, perfect. It was a rough start, but uh, you know, we uh, we were kind of without a little bit of our uh, tour leader when we started yeah. out here, yeah. so we had to improvise. Um, and so that, but it made it challenging. It made it fun. But you know, uh, I I will say that. You have a leg up on the rest of us because you're traveling on an Irish passport. I am. So you didn't have to pay a, a visa fee. Yeah. Uh, they so. really sting the, uh, the North Americanos. So, uh, yeah. Some, somehow the Irish can travel around the world and not pay anything for visas. We can. And that's why I travel with it. And um, what was interesting is I, uh, I was able to get through customs pretty quickly. And I kind of, you know. Kind of snuck in under the radar a little bit, got through, and uh, you, all you guys were wondering how I got through so quickly. I was like, well, I didn't have to um, have crisp $20 bills like the rest of you guys Well, that's, that, that's a good segue. <laughs> and, 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 but can, you tell us, can you tell us what is it about Ireland that makes people want, them, want the, the Irish to come to their country and, and uh, you know, open all the doors? Well, I think you know, the Irish are peaceful people. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought up the, the twenty dollar bill thing because if you if you come to Paraguay, folks, uh, the first thing you want to do is take all of your twenty dollar bills and throw them in the trash and go to the bank and ask for brand new bills uh, because they will they have uh, uh, you pay one hundred and sixty dollars American. 
to get in the country and they they do not like bills that are folded, creased, marked, dinged, dented, spotted, spindled, uh, spindled mutilated, mutilated all the things. They don't like that. And uh, so most of us sitting around here had stacks of 20s and you go up to the little booth to pay it and, and there's two people in there and the woman's looking at, at each bill and then she shows it to the man and he's either thumbs up or thumbs down. And your your stack of thumbs down bills goes up, and your 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 stack of uh, accepted bills is very tiny. And and we had some real problems. And um, and Tim came in late, uh, and uh, because of his flight cancellation, and he gets to uh, he gets through the immigration line. He gets an okay, albeit late. And uh, we get a text from Tim saying uh, saying in essentially saying. Uh, Get to the airport and bring me 20s now. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, uh, man, I had to drive from hotel here to the airport, and uh, Matt ran in, and uh, they allowed Tim to receive a handoff of money across the, the forbidden zone there, uh, the freedom line, and uh, allowed you to get into the country. And uh, you want what are, to, what are your thoughts and impressions of that? Uh, oh, you mean the seventh circle of hell? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that basement of the airport is a place I don't want to visit anytime soon. Uh, yeah, my bills were less than perfect, and Matt handed me a stack of 20s, bless his heart, and uh, I just, they kept turning them down, and then I would shuffle them and hand them back to them, and after doing that for about 15 minutes, they started accepting ones they had turned down. But, uh, yeah, after we got out of that, um, well, we got back to the hotel about 1 a.m. or so. Had a brew. Had a beer. Had a beer. Right. You, you, uh, you beat the curfew, please. Yeah, that's right. They were just setting up the checkpoint to uh, turn away visitors when we slipped through that. And uh, and that was the last one to enter the country of uh, the group. They have the curfew on because of COVID. So nothing happens in the town between midnight and 5 a.m. You'll get in trouble. You'll yeah. get stopped. Yeah, we stop. had... Uh, we had we got stopped a couple times on the on the short drive from the airport. We had to explain soy americanos, uh, uh, estupidos, <laughs> uh, soy naturalistas, turistas. Yeah. So. I, I will also say that you know we did get a little bit of sleep, and on our way up to our first stop, the town of Philadelphia, there's an impressive amount of road construction going on in Paraguay right now. Um, a large amount of infrastructure projects going on. Yeah, that made and, it kind of uh, tough too. That that was that was another added challenge. And we haven't even talked about herps yet. So, uh, so uh, sitting across the table for me is the one and only Jake Scott. Uh, welcome to the show, Jake. One and only. Yes. Hey, golf clap. That's a golf clap from okay. Matt. Okay, we got golf claps all around yes, the table. Yes, I can talk. So, um, you have any uh, further? Uh, it, can you add to our, our our portrait that we're painting here about traveling? You, to you guys have painted a pretty good picture so far, um, but yeah. So getting here was an issue, as we talked about. Um, you know, obviously we missed Josh Holbrook, who set this whole thing up. We really didn't know what we were doing, which you know Dermot talked about a little bit. Um, but we kind of pieced together all of the events and issues and things that 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 Josh had talked about, and we drove up to Philadelphia, the streets of Philadelphia. And we got there and a cold front came in thinking, you know, this may be okay because it's cool, it's wet, you know, 
get up there, nothing moving. Zero that night. We saw a few frogs, which, you know, we identified and we enjoyed. But that night... And when we say, like, a, a cold front, oh, we're talking about, what? An uh, Antarctic 60s, cold front. Our first Antarctic, Antarctic cold front. An Antarctic from the I Antarctic. <laughs> and right. it blew up. And we're, in front of this we're was... Santa Claus we're, we're Santa Claus. We're Santa Claus. Well, the, well, one of the, the anti-Santa Claus. Yeah, Right, right. He's oh. there. Right. Oh, anti-Claus. He takes your presents. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So we, yeah. So th- this came this Antarctic cold front, which you know it was chilly. It was in the fifties or upper um, lower sixties. Low sixties. Low sixties. It was, but it, but it felt cold. And yeah, um, it, right. And we were out cruising and found not much. You know, a few frogs, which is okay for us too. We like everything, and we enjoyed it. So we we actually decided to stay there another day. And the next day, it got. A lot warmer. It warmed up to what? What was it like in the mid eighties? No, yeah, maybe maybe eighty, maybe eighty. Yeah. And then it, as soon as it got night, the temperature dropped again. Sure, sure. But the second night, but it was second night wasn't very good either. We saw we found what one bothrops that night. Um, you and I found a bothrops and a lyophis. We found a light one lyophis in the ditch actually that Jose found while we're looking for a frog. It was cruising around eating tadpoles out of a drying up ditch. Well, thank goodness for frogs. See, the frogs are all right. The frogs are all inclusive. They they are, you know, they're food, but they're also very cool. Right. So, they, you know, snakes eat them. But we also we didn't just come up for uh the herps too. Uh, one of, one of our our gang here is is intensely into into birds and we're going to let Devin talk about that a little bit. Okay, so Devin, here you go. So uh, uh, Devin is uh, 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 runs the uh, Project Amazonas and uh, the uh, Empty Amazon expeditions that uh, Matt and I guide for. And again, uh, once again, not a commercial, not an official sponsor of the show, but here we are. Every show we talk about Peru somehow. Uh, but welcome to the show, Devin. And Thank you, you uh, had a great time birding here in, in Petawai. Yeah, I, I actually uh, got here a week before the rest of them, so... Uh, I only found out about all of the uh, issues that everybody had when I uh, picked up Jose and Casapa, his own hometown, and we arrived in uh, Asuncion the morning that uh, we were supposed to meet and found out that uh, Josh and the other ones were uh, on their way back to Panama and back on to New York, which is a real shame. But uh, Paraguay is great for birding. Uh, There's a lot of neat stuff. you know, it's a relatively small country, but it's sort of the, the intersection of a variety of different habitats. So you have uh, Atlantic coastal rainforest in the east going all the way up to desert uh, Chaco in the northwest and uh, sort of uh, marshy swamplands in the extreme south and east. So a lot, a lot of very, very distinctive habitats. And, and just as you're driving around, you can uh, see the changes uh, very quickly. So w- wonderful for birding. I think uh, my list for the trip so far is probably around 240 species. And yeah. uh, so, so, some of which are easier to find in Paraguay than they are in any other country in the region. Well, it's interesting. Uh, it's an amazing total, but and I'm sure I speak for some of the rest of people around the table, but we saw, I mean, the birds are thick. They're They're not sparse. They're very thick here, and in many of the places we went, you could not help but be a birder. There were some just incredible, awesome birds, like the uh, savannah hawk that we saw, and the jabiru stork, and uh, uh, the, the the cardinal, the uh, what is it, the uh, 
Yeah, Red Red Crested Cardinals. Though yeah. we got really, really good views of yeah. Yeah. yeah, Rias. Yeah, you don't think about ostriches in South America, but there's there's an ostrich equivalent, and they're big. Yeah, uh, it's magnificent to watch them roam across fields uh, on their on their. No, they are just winged reptiles. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was amazing, and you can't help but kind of be a birder too. And, and most, well, everybody around the table just appreciates those things as well. It's 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 uh, they're not our primary target, but we 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 do appreciate the things we saw. They were our primary target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, other fun. Oh, yeah. Ant eaters. Yeah, uh, that first day when we were cruising up to. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, we were talking in the car, uh, Jake was in the car with me and, you know, we're going, geez, it would be a real bummer if we saw a dead giant anteater by the side of the road or a dead jaguar or something like that. Two hours later, we're cruising up the road and uh, all three of us in the car, Jose, Jake, and myself, we all kind of simultaneously go, shit, that was a giant anteater. <laughs> and right right there on the side of the road just recently hit and killed the giant anteater in beautiful condition it just had a little grazing on one side of the head must have been a glancing blow but beautiful beautiful animal animal we touched it uh you know still warm yeah the oh, really? the the tail the the hair is very coarse uh I mean, perfectly adapted for running through thornbrush, and and uh, I mean, it was you know we kicked ourselves for even talking about it. And then we saw one. Yes. Yeah. Well, here you go. <laughs> so you saw a live one. We saw a live one. It, we were well. I saw one very close. Um, while we were driving, road cruising for snakes, as we do. And we were on a dirt road in one of our locations. We'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little while. Um, and we were coming down, and on the side of the road, there's this head poking out, a large head and a large long nose. And as we go by it, I think I saw it and Matt saw it first. So did you immediately think squatch? Oh, and Jose saw it. Did you immediately think squatch? I first, the first thing I thought was this, this is the southern equivalent of a Sasquatch. <laughs> Skunk ape subspecies. And of course, we stopped as fast as we could. I come flying out of the car. Matt comes flying out of the car. He, Jose comes flying out of the car. And we kind of run. And I have my camera in my hand, my video camera, because I, I wanted to get it on video, of course. And I run and I slip down the embankment and slide almost into this large beast's tail and butt. And that's all I see. And the next thing I know, uh, I'm stuck in... The thorns that are probably three inches long, can't get out. Matt somehow finds a perfect path, goes around. See, you saw it too, didn't you? You saw it. Yeah, Matt saw it. I did see it. And um, that's all we saw of it. I mean, that's, I mean, but that's more than a lot of people see. It's almost like seeing a Sasquatch. I didn't get it on film. People go their whole lives and never see an anteater, but. Right. I followed Jake into the thorns and I saw the anteater butt, the anteater tail, and a Jake butt. So, oh, it, yeah, yeah. And then I decided that wasn't a very good path to take. So I turned around. I'm glad I could help you out there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it should be pointed out too that everything has thorns on it in this country. This, yes, there's 
everything wants to kill you here. And, you know, that's okay. You know, just just try to avoid it and not slide into it. Um, but there's spiny uh, trees. There's the, there, there's the bottle tree that we love so much. There's this huge bulbous bottom tree, like kind of like a... Uh, the African, like a, baobab. Like a ba- baobab, tree baobab tree that's full of two inch spikes on it. Um, yeah, I mean, everything. Yeah. Acacia. Acacia. There's mesquite type plants everywhere. And there's one that's a, that, that our, our friend, uh, uh, Mate was talking about that flattens all their tires up here or, you know, up in Paraguay, Chaco. So yes, everything wants to poke you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about some of the the herbs we found, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna yeah let's let's just kind of go around the table. And um, uh, Matt, you have the microphone. What's what was the uh, what was the kicker for you on this trip? Do uh, uh, you know what we saw a lot of stuff? I mean, I was looking through the books before coming down here, and I mean, there's just so many amazing herbs here. Uh, a lot of it is similar to what I've seen elsewhere in South America. But it's different here. A lot of different species, a lot of slightly different uh, different morphs or species of, you know, for instance, the rainbow boa is a different species than I usually see in Peru. Uh, so it's a different species, a uh, different looking critter. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing all this stuff. Uh, so uh, my favorite find of the trip was probably the... Um, the I know I'd have to I'd have to go with the uh, the hognose the tricolor the xenodon the tricolor hognose snake that uh, that showed up. What an incredible snake! So xenodon pulcher, yes, pulcher, and uh, it's a tricolor. It's a, it's in the hobbyist market in the states occasionally, and what a beautiful critter and um, just incredible colors and uh, similar to in the way it acts to our hognose snakes and up in the northern hemisphere, um, but uh, cool on itself. And I found other Xenodon uh, genus before, but none were similar to this. And it just it just blew me away. I couldn't stop looking at it. So, um, but we found a lot of really really neat things. Uh, that's just the probably the top tier for me. Okay, very good. Tim, do you have something? Well, you know, I'm a venomous guy, and although several venomous species showed up on the trip, I was really looking for the crotalus down here. Crotalus durissus terrificus. And um, we went a few days without seeing any snakes, let alone any venomous snakes. And I was getting, uh, I was starting to wonder if we were going to see anything. And then uh, Jake and Devin came back one night and they looked really guilty. And we, we asked them, what'd you get? And they, they wouldn't answer us. And I, I knew then that Crotalus was in our future. And, uh, yeah, that was the one that really made the trip for me. I, I want to see all of the crotalus, uh, throughout their range and that, that filled a big hole. So thanks guys. All right. Very good. So let's, uh, let's find out about Jose. Did he have a favorite find on the trip? Una, una vibora, encuentro favorito de, del viaje. Yo creo que me quedo con la Zenon Pulcher. Creo que eso, la forma en que Jake eh, saltó al, al ver que era una Xenon Pulcher y sabía también que era la, una de las serpientes que, que estaban buscando. Eh, es la primera vez que yo veo en la zona donde yo vivo, no tenemos esta, este ejemplar, así es que fue, fue muy grato esa noche. Fue muy linda la noche. Ok, so José's response was the uh, Xenodon Pulcher was the highlight for him. 
it's not a snake that occurs in the area where he lives, so it's the first time that he had seen it. And what made it even better for him was that he knew that that was one of the snakes that was on the top of our list. Uh, so he, he really enjoyed seeing that. Very good. How about you, Dermot? Well, it was a snake that um, Mike and I found last night, the Musarani. How about that? We, you know what? It was kind of fun. We had two cars going last night, and we had a lot of little bit of a healthy competition going, <laughs> which is always fun, right? Yeah. And then so when you have a little competition, it brings out the best in everybody. And uh, so we had a, I think we had a fun night last night. We did for the short amount of time we went out. We well, did we got well. The, we got two vipers, uh, which are both rops uh, diporus, yeah. which are very nice looking snakes. Uh, uh, on a very dusty road and then very dusty road and the moose came out you spotted it mike i uh i jumped out we had we had the cool air a little too cool maybe in the car so when i jumped out my glasses fogged up immediately <laughs> <laughs> and i knew we could not lose that snake so i just ran blindly and yeah. we, we got it just as it was going to the side. Yeah. That was fun. That was yeah. a lot of fun. And I was and, able to. And so to. We, uh, initially, we, we were pretty sure it's a Musurana. Musurana. Uh, bicolor. Yeah. The famous snake-eating Musurana. Uh, but it may actually be the other species, Boyaruna. We're not sure yet. We're, we're going to do, we did some scale counts and we're going to do some technical uh, investigations. But they're very similar species anyway. And uh Holy cow, uh, that snake is nothing. It looked like a black black rat snake in the road, right? It did. Uh, but it's nothing like a black snake. It is so strong. That snake is muscular. It, it has muscles that black rat snakes don't have. Uh, it's just and very it, strong. Yeah, animal. it's very strong. And it was it was it was fast too. It was moving. Yeah. So, so um, I'm glad you got a chance to catch it too. Oh yeah, so, yeah. That was that was a blast. That was actually a blast. Yeah. So that was good. So very good. A little bit. We had, it was good. <laughs> oh, I know. Here we go. As Dermot uh, pointed out, there was a little competition. We actually were cruising. It was me, Devin, and Jose. And that was it, right? No one else was with us. It was Matt. Oh yeah, Max. We saw the we saw the giant anteater. And we'd actually passed by these guys, Matt, I mean uh, Dermot and Mike on the way through. And they sh we'll call them team number two. Team two. We're the dominator. We're the dominator car. They call us the dominator. We, don't, we right. didn't make this name up. This just came to us, dominator. We were passing, and they said they found this Maserana, and they showed it to us. And we were like, oh, that's really cool. We, we'd only seen a Bothrops at this time, which is still cool, but it's not a Maserana. So at that point, we had achieved dominance over. You had, you had you've exceeded us. Yes. You, yes. We, we were almost giving up. And we said, you know what? We got to keep going. And we got to beat these guys. We got to beat them. The competition is 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 very 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 strict with us. We we got to do it. We got to go out. We got to find something cool. So we continue driving. We we're saying we're not going to leave until we find something that can beat that Maserana. Whether it's you know whether we think it can beat it or not, it's, it's up to uh, debate. So we keep driving and uh, we get up to this you know area where there's like an open area and. We all see it on the side of the road. There's a snake. I'm like, oh, it's a snake. Cool. We get out of the car. We thought maybe they were both rops. And uh, we get out of the car, and no, it's not. Behold, a Ch Chaco Rainbow Boa, which is Epicrates alvarezi. Uh -huh. And it was the coolest snake to see, besides the tricolor snake, which is all tricolor hog, which is 
our favorite as well and me and Jose's favorite. Um, but we felt we dominated that night after that. I don't know if do you, do you agree? Is that they, Dermot says no. Mike, how about you? Well, I think uh, given that there were only four eyeballs in our car and uh, it, it took, you know, okay. uh, nine I eyeballs in your car. I see where you're, nine eyeballs. Because <laughs> I know you keep an extra eyeball on your dash. I do. Um, <laughs> it took nine eyeballs to find yeah. uh, the same number of snakes that we found. So Right. It, and an uh, anteater. Well, I can't top that. But you didn't catch it. We so. didn't get pictures. So no pictures. we could just be making this all up. You could be making yeah. this all up. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. So, you know, of course, it's a competition. Not really. We we got it back, and we all benefited from it. We all got to see it. We all enjoyed it and photographed it after fifteen to twenty minutes of it. You know, continually moving around. But we photographed it. and It was beautiful. We let it go, and that was also beautiful. So, it was a great time. Yeah. It was also a celebration. There. Oh, so who wants to talk about well, the let's, celebration? Let's, let's 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 get to. That. I'm gonna sort of wrap the show up with that. Uh, Hotel Priya. Uh, Pira, Hotel Pira. Um, as, as I should point out that what we 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 drove to a, a small farming community about three and a half hours um, west west southwest west. Uh, I'm all turned around. I'm south of the equator. I don't know my east from west. Uh, to a small town called Philadelphia, which is has F's instead of PH's in it. So uh, go figure that one out, folks. Uh, and it's a small farming community, and we uh, uh, we learned some cultural things along the way. We pull in there in the afternoon, and there's nothing open. It's a Sunday. It's like 2 o'clock, and nothing. There's nobody in the town. It's like, it's like driving into one of those horror movie towns where there's nobody around, and you, you just catch little glimpses of people out of the corner of your eye, and you wonder what... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh wow, the same people are, are hiding. It's just kind of it's just kind of bizarre. But everything shuts down on Sunday, and then everything every day in the afternoon, heat the afternoon, everything shuts down. The stores shut down, the gas station, everything just shuts down. And uh, folks take a nap or, or whatever. And uh, it was you know it's like a kind of a cultural shock for us uh, to experience that. And so we stayed in the Philadelphia area trying to wait for better weather, for the, the warm weather to return. And so we drove the, the sand roads around Philadelphia for hours and hours and for several days. And came up with some frogs, and thank goodness for frogs. And, of course, uh, if we're talking about favorites, the Sudas paradox frog, uh, uh, that was the, uh, the best frog species I think we got, for me anyway. It's a very, very cool animal to find. And so things like that helped us. And uh, we turned up a few uh, yacare caimans as well. But it wasn't until the, uh, uh, the third night around Philadelphia that we uh, started to uh, find some snakes. And uh, it, anybody would talk about the snakes we found? Or you going to make the bird guy talk about the snakes <laughs> we found. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the uh, Xenodon pulker, that's uh, uh, such a fantastic snake. But for, for me, what made it so fantastic was the giggling and the laughing that went on for the next half hour in the car. As, uh, you know, Jake and uh, Jose laughed and, you know, celebrated and whatnot. Uh, but but for me, actually, the uh, the Chaco Rainbow Boa was the coolest thing because that was that was what uh, 
inspired me to come on this trip in the first place because uh, Josh Holbrook had uh, posted a picture of it and you know I sent him a text back saying I want to see that one he said well why don't you come on down and so uh, that was why I came down and uh, as it happened uh, when we got back to the hotel which is at the end of a road in the literally in the middle of nowhere and we had driven for some three hours not knowing what to expect and we get to this little place uh, it's got a population of less than 120 people total between you know colonists and, and an indigenous community right close by and it's this funky cool little hotel man cave run by uh, a guy born in the Chaco, but his grandparents emigrated from uh, the Netherlands. Speaks very good English with a pretty strong Dutch-German accent, but a fantastic host. And he's arranged a music night for us. Uh, you know, electric uh, guitar player came all the way from Asuncion, the capital, and, uh, you know, they jammed out and had karaoke and all the rest of it. And uh, we, we just had the most fantastic time there. It was totally unexpected. Especially Mike. Especially Mike, <laughs> yes. Or as we call him, La Bamba. <laughs> yes, La Bamba. And, 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 and here we go for an example. Oh, no. <laughs> I have it recorded somewhere, but I think we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, Josh had said, well, we want, we want to go to the Hotel Pira, which is down near the Argentine border. And he had said, you know, there's some great stuff down there. We'll spend a couple nights. And because of our circumstances, we ended up going down a day late. Uh, and, uh, and so we show up. Josh got a hold of uh, the guy's name is Mati. And he got a hold of Mati and uh, uh, told him we were coming anyway, but just late. And so he was ready for us. And, and uh, so we, we drove uh, for probably three hours on some really bad sand roads. I mean, really bad, uh, very bumpy. And, but we got to this place. It's a hotel and it's the end of a road bordering the, the river that basically kind of runs along the uh, uh, border with Argentina. And uh, we get there, and it's the it's the end of the road. It has a loop on the end, and uh, we go to the hotel. And it turns out this this place, the hotel where we're where we're staying at the hotel, this this land is sort of like a a level area next to the river that was initially a uh, a military fort uh, that the Bolivians had uh, uh, constructed there. They had you know I think flattened the land, cleared cleared off space, and they had some. Uh, barracks there and uh, the Bolivians sort of held territory there using this fort and then uh, later the Boli there was a big what they call the Chaco War and the Bolivians and the Paraguayans mixed it up and the, the Bolivians lost and they had to leave and then the Paraguayans took it over and now it becomes this sort of a, a community for indigenous peoples and other people that hang out there and of course Mati has his hotel there in the middle of nowhere but he still manages looks like he manages to get quite a few guests there and uh, so that was, it was one of those things about herping that you, you just never know what's going to happen. You, you don't know that when you arrive there that eventually you're going to, you know, the, the guitars come out and you're going to be singing <laughs> rock standards from the, uh, the 60s, 70s, and, and the 80s. So that was quite an experience. And, and they were thrilled to have an audience because I think they get together and jam. There's 
hardly anybody there. And I think uh, if I remember right, Mahdi's band is called the Krauts. And he had a Krauts t-shirt on and uh, and the uh, the electric guitarist, uh, his name was Joel. And uh, and uh, we'll be including uh, some of that music in the show here because it was just a really cool experience. So uh, you just never know uh, what's going to happen when, when you go places. It, it, it's just uh, one of those things uh, that, you know, the trip had some really crappy elements to it. But at the same time, it's some really cool things that happened too, you know. And... Uh, Okay, you're all nodding, but don't don't leave me hanging here because I'll just keep talking. <laughs> well, well, one one of the things that Maddie had you know lined up for us, which I thought was great, is we uh, he had a, a little outboard uh, motorboat, and he took us up the river that's right there on the Argentine border to see some of the Yakari Cayman, and I, I thought that was fantastic. I mean, how how often do you get to be in a little motorboat traveling up a river looking for Cayman, right? Yeah, and we saw. A lot of Cayman. Big Cayman. <laughs> Big Cayman. Yeah. They were all over that river. So that, that was fantastic. And he was a great host. And he really was so, you know, obviously so proud of his area and, and you know, really wanted to kind of show us the whole place. And, uh, and that was I fantastic. I think you'd like to get, you know, the, we, uh, he also took us to a, a, a ranch, Estancia, they call it, our big ranch. Uh, so many uh, gazillion hectares of, uh, uh, dry pasture land, and but also a lot of marshland, and and so Devin got another great birding opportunity down, and so did the rest of us. So I, I think Maddie was interested in maybe uh, getting more, more developing more of an eco tour clientele, people coming down to do birding and do herping. So he was working, he was working us hard to get uh, make sure we had a good time seeing the nature there in that in that place and somebody's trying to escape from the closet over there <laughs> not sure what's going on and 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 we got and we got permission to um explore some abandoned barracks there were some army barracks um that um we thought oh good place for possibly finding some snakes so there was he, he got permission for us to explore that and that was a lot of fun got to see vampire bats for the first time so how often do you get to see vampire bats not very often only if you go to paraguay apparently (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so i mean yeah it was it was great it was all around like a couple dozen vampire bats all clustered together with pools of blood down in the corner and yeah that wasn't so great would it would it would have been great great location for a college horror flick and surprisingly, that's not the location where Jake got rabies. <laughs> Jake, do you want to talk about your incident? No, not really. No, no. <laughs> if you want, you, you, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I think Matt needs to talk about the rabies as a kid. This is this is uh this is Matt's this is Matt's brainchild. So, oh, blame it on me. Well, we were uh, when we were in Philadelphia. Uh, we had an opportunity to go to a wildlife rehabilitation center, and that uh, Jose helped set that up. Uh, did a great job, and uh, they had uh, a, a lot of wildlife that they actually rehab and reintroduce back in the wild. And um, we actually got the opportunity to to let something go that they had uh, taken in and rehabbed, which was uh, quite a great experience. So it's good to be involved in that. Well, anyway, they have a uh, a wild crab eating raccoon. Uh, that they that that took um, took a liking to Jake, and, and vice versa. And uh, yeah, and vice versa. Although I think it was mostly Jake liking the raccoon. So, 
Uh, but anyway, uh, they, well, I they mean, Jake does have some raccoon like features that may have led the raccoon to believe that he was Ken. Yeah, I, I budding romance there. Yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, we ended up uh, getting some great pictures of uh, Jake playing with the raccoon and uh, they looked it looked pretty aggressive. It looked like the, the raccoon was actually biting Jake. And uh, so. Yeah, it, it was, was, it was, but it wasn't aggressively. It was more playful, but, uh, you know, it, what goes on Facebook and looks like rabies, uh, and gets said as might be rabies, uh, you know, it goes on a, and it kind of took a life of its own. And, uh, anyway, Jake's fine. He didn't get bit. No blood. The raccoon's fine too. Just, yeah, we were, we're more worried about the raccoon. Yeah. But uh, the raccoon's okay. No animals were injured in the uh, in the filming, and uh, so uh, it was great. And uh, so it, we had a little fun with it. But uh, and and the the uh, the culprit's name. I mean, he was he was angry looking uh, in those pictures, but he was really really cute. And his name was Shampoo. So why don't you tell us about Shampoo? Oh, Shampoo. What can I say? He's not conditioner. He's not smooth and silky. He's a little rough. But he, he, but it's all love, and, he, and, he, and he'll lick and he'll lick you clean. So yeah, I love shampoo. <laughs> I love shampoo. Pert plus. And, and what, what, what about the taper tipping? Taper tipping. Oh, so yeah. So they actually allowed us to go into one of the tapir enclosures, where you know, is something not many people get to do, and they graciously let us go in and. We were unaware that these huge uh, hooved animals were at all nice, I guess. Pussycats. Pussycats, yeah. We thought maybe they would be more, you know, sketchy, scared of us. We walked in there. No, no. They're like big dogs. And they come up to you, lick your face, which, you know, it's kind of weird. It's a small club to be in. It's a very, right. There's very few people. Right now, there's at least seven of us that have done it. And, uh, well... You know they love they love being scratched on the neck and the head, and I have a video of of Devin uh, actually scratching one all the way to the ground. It was a slow motion thing, and it fell over and just like a dog, and like he rolled dog. over. Yeah, he rolled over and he scratched his belly, and uh, you know things came up. It was great. It was a good time. But <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> if you know, you know. It's a. Uh, it, it, well, it, it, you, you have to explain us a little bit. Oh, do, do, is, it, is, this, is this allowed? Is this allowed? Well, yeah, I mean, you oh. can do it tastefully. It tastefully, right. So, um, so they, let's just say that the, the male taper was happy to see us. They, right, well hung. Um, <laughs> more than, this is something that I, I didn't, I, well, we, who knows about a tape here, uh, anatomy as much as most people. Nobody does. Well, we know a lot more now we, than we did before. We are enlightened. We're the few, the, the few, the proud, the enlightened. Who know those things could just drop to the ground? <sighs> they, they, they became five-legged animals. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. It was no, I, you know, it's something we learned. And, and even if we learned that, that they have large uh, anatomy, um, we also learned they're also puppy dogs. And they're, yeah. they're, yeah, you see them in other places and what they do is run away quickly. But, you know, if you give them a chance... And you're rehabbing them, and they're a very nice animal. They're extremely hard to the touch. And they love, be- well, you touch them, it feels like a rock. And it's weird, but they love being massaged like a little, you know, I think Mike has a picture of me. He might put it on the, on the podcast picture for the, uh, for the few to see me massaging the uh, tapir, maybe. 
Yes. Yes. You were. Okay. Not no. Let's it, say let's let's call it a back rub. So a we back understand rub. What exactly right. Right. Not. Sorry. Sorry. Here. It really. It really. Not that. It was a real. It was a real like a back rub. Right. And they actually enjoyed it. And it was being scratched. It was a good time. That was a great experience. And we really. It, it, and as a matter of fact, the owner of the of the uh, establishment of the rehab center it was the mayor of Philadelphia. And I don't remember his name, and I, it's, it's, it, we. Mr. Holier. The Holier the now. The mayor, Mayor Holier. Is the mayor? Mayor? See. Wow. Yeah, and when there was some other cool stuff at the rehab, uh, we got to see. Uh, and so Dermot and I uh, uh, had a great experience there because uh, we, we are both uh, redfoot tortoise aficionados. And even though we didn't see a live redfoot tortoise on this trip, which was a crushing blow to me and perhaps to Dermot as well, we did see some uh, a, a large pen they had with 80 large redfoot tortoises in there, right? Oh yeah, at least eighty, and it was, and they were gorgeous red foot tortoises, like probably the nicest we've ever seen. They yeah. were in such fantastic shape, and they were big. That and one female, right, Mike, was just gorgeous. Yeah, she was orange head, orange legs. Yeah, just and all of them had great body weight, and and uh, if you if you're a tortoise keeper and you see these things, it just yeah. makes you happy. So yes, we were obviously would have loved to have seen one in the wild. But that was a good second. And, and, and mention why they had it. Well, they well, interestingly enough, um, uh, they're fairly common down here, and and you know people pick them up for pets. Um, and just so, like box turtles. Yeah, right? right. And so and then kind of maybe just like it happens, grow, grow a little tired of them and drop them off at the rehab center. So all all of the tortoises they had there were uh, picked up um, and dropped off as un- unwanted pets. Which was kind of interesting, and I think they're aren't they doing some kind of rehabilitation program with some of them? Yeah, uh, what they were doing with them, uh, a lot of them had numbers painted on their back, and they've actually gone through veterinary checks for parasites and bacteria and all the rest, and they're going to be used for a reintroduction program in Argentina. Oh wow! In an area where they no longer exist, so that for 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 me that was really exciting to see. I mean, they they really are using this as a, a rehab it's i mean they emphasize it was not a zoo uh you know they don't charge admission it's not a you know place where tourists come uh they really are looking out for the best interests of the animals and uh, trying to get them back into their native environment as soon as possible yeah yeah it was a good experience so in, does anybody else have anything to want to add to this show about this trip matt uh, we'll talk about the food uh, oh, so good I, I don't go anywhere without talking about the food. So uh, the food was good. A lot of meat, um, a lot of beef, and uh, obviously there's a lot of um, agriculture and and uh, ranching. Uh, I, I've eaten more beef this week than I eat in a month and a half to two months. It's it's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner beef. Right? It's a lot of beef, and we had some good food. Uh, we had some great sandwiches. We had the the national sandwich. I don't remember what Uruguay it was called. Chevito. Chevito. Chevito, which was wonderful. And uh, order that if you come. Uh, find that. And uh, we had some fish soup, which was interesting. Um, 
we had uh, chicken soup, um, lots of hamburgers, lots of empanadas. empanadas, but good food, good food. So uh, don't be afraid of the food. Try the local food when you come places. Even 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 the, the fast foodish places like uh, Rapidito. Rapidito, they had great sandwiches. So uh, uh, for all you folks on the uh, East Coast, Rapidito is sort of the Paraguayan version of uh, Wawa. Yeah. Uh, well, like a Wawa. Florida and New Jersey or along the coast there. Uh, yeah. It's very much like a Wawa. They whip up some enormous sandwiches and other food stuff. So. Delici- delicioso. I mean, I, and, and all in all, this whole trip was, it, it started out kind of rough. Uh, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, we had some goals, and I think we maybe surpassed some of our goals. We didn't really actually think we were going to find as much as we did, and we really did. We found several species we really wanted to see, and that's, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Jose was mentioning in the car to us uh, that he was messaging some of his friends that were into herpetology as well, and asked what kind of weird magic we had to find that they, all the things we found here in, you know, five days, you know, really five days of herping. And uh, I think, you know, with the people we had, it was a great crew. Well, we just herped better. We herped better. We did. We did. I'd be interested in hearing Jose's uh, take on uh, herping with uh, uh, North Americanos. What was the experience like? Bueno. Primeramente cuando empecé no, no entendía ni 2% de lo que decían. Después ahora más o menos 10, 15% entiende lo que dicen. Después continúo. Okay, he says, he says that at first he only understood maybe 2% of what we were saying, but after a while he was up to 10 or 15%. Justamente mientras hablaba Jake me estaba riendo de una anécdota. Justamente cuando encontramos la Terrificus, la Crotalus, cruzamos así. Y se fue mi traductor otro lado. Me quedé yo con Jake y yo le quería decir a Jake que no pase la serpiente hacia la ruta, ¿verdad? Y él no entendía lo que le decía. Yo le señalaba así, le, le señalaba y él no quería que se vaya al otro lado. Yo no quería que se vaya a otro lado. Entonces fue un, un, un una muy particular porque los dos estábamos con mucha energía de que él quería hacer algo y yo quería hacer otra cosa. Entonces no, nunca nos entendíamos. So when, uh, when they found the uh, crotalus on the road, uh, Jake and uh, Jose jumped out and they ran after it. And, you know, I was uh, bringing the car around, so I wasn't there to translate. And it was like a Three Stooges dialogue as, <laughs> because they were pantomiming and trying to explain to each other what they wanted to do or what they needed to do. And, uh, but uh, it, was, it was successful at the end, so they got it. Después sí que eh, cuando encontramos la leptodeira, él, él, él empujaba con su pie y me decía, es venenosa, es venenosa, y yo miraba así. Yo pensé que era una cría de Botrops, y él se desesperaba porque ya iba a pasar ya la ruta y pateaba y miraba más así, pateaba y miraba más así. Y después en una de esas nos dimos cuenta que era una leptodeira, entonces le agarramos a ella. Cuando encontramos un cat-eyed snake, un leptodeira, en el trail, parecía como un pequeño Botrops, y entonces Jake's trying to kick it back onto the road, you know, without being violent or damaging it, you know, but, it, you know, he's going, is it, is it poisonous? Is it poisonous? And, you know, and uh, Jose, uh, you know, eventually uh, figures out, no, it's not poisonous, but a uh, little, little slapstick going on. Pero muy interesante la forma en que trabajan en el sentido de del horario, 
eh, de la, del control de la ruta, eh, del hábitat que tiene normalmente cada serpiente. Eh, cuando yo terminé la facultad, mi trabajo de investigación consistía en identificar serpientes de la zona perurbana de Cazapa. Y hacía también estos recorridos, pero hacía en un horario no acorde a las serpientes. Entonces creo que me queda una cuenta pendiente para hacer de esta manera en mi ciudad y también eh, aumentar la cantidad de serpientes en el registro personal y posteriormente publicar. So he's, he found it very interesting that uh, we went out at different times of the day and, and you know, well into the night. And uh, he did his dissertation work on snakes of his local area. And uh, when, he get back, when he gets back home, he wants to start doing some of the same things that we did to increase the uh, number of sightings that he has and increase the species list for his uh, home region. So it's uh, been a good experience for him working with us. And uh, I think uh, for all of us, it's been really great having uh, Jose along as a, yes. uh, a local resource. Uh, he's absolutely fluent in uh, Guarani, uh, oh, which is the indigenous language and uh, 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 Spanish, of course, as well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been really great about uh, breaking the ice with uh, local law enforcement, local people, and, uh, you know, just sort of resets the whole tone when you have somebody in the group that just, uh, you know, greets people in their native language. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, go ahead. You have something else? Go ahead. Lo que sumaría de todo esto también es la experiencia que tienen ustedes. Es muy gratificante y ahora me toca encontrar gente como ustedes en mi país para poder hacer lo que ustedes hacen eh, por otros lados porque me encuentro solo en esto y creo que es algo muy apasionante algo muy lindo de repetir y me gustaría que mi hija o si tengo un hijo futuramente me pueda seguir como seguramente a ustedes también sus hijos le van siguiendo los pasos así es que les aliento a seguir con esto porque es algo muy lindo y, y sé que a cada uno de ustedes también le llena de, de salud, de energía y la experiencia vivida ya nadie nos quita, ¿verdad? Lo bailado nadie nos saca. Si es que es una inversión interesante la que están haciendo, pero creo que eso es vida. Okay, so it's, it's really gotten him enthused. Uh, I mean, the experience of uh, traveling with us, it's gotten, gotten him enthused about finding people like us in his own country who are also passionate about uh, herpetology. Uh, he has a four-year-old daughter, and he would love for her to get involved with this sort of thing. If he has a son uh, later on, you know, he'd, li he'd like it, love to have his kids uh, develop a passion for this. And, uh, you know, he feels that it's really important for, uh, for him and, and for uh, the country of Paraguay to, to develop uh, a, a core of people that are interested in herpetology and conservation and things like that, so... We're good. And that's what we do. We, we travel the world spreading love, herp love, right? And uh, <clears throat> picking our message no matter where we go. Well, I, I thank you so much for uh, talking to us, Jose, and I uh, appreciate your, your perspective. Muchísimas gracias por parte de todos nosotros. No, más bien creo que el agradecido y el que lleva una mochila llena de experiencias y de, de momentos soy yo. O sea que para mí usted fue una bendición en el sentido de que no todos tienen este placer de trabajar con gente con mucha experiencia y con una fauna tan rica, ¿verdad? A mí incluso mis amigos me dijeron qué clase de brujería hicieron esos 
gringos, me dijo, para encontrar tantas, eh, tantas especies porque no se consigue siempre. O sea, hay, pero no siempre se consigue. So, so I, I thank him for uh, coming along with us and uh, sharing his experience and uh, knowledge of the country with us. And, and he's, he's telling us that uh, he's going away with a backpack full of experiences and good memories. And, and uh, you Some know, he was, he, was, he was talking with uh, uh, one of his friends and they were asking him what kind of witchcraft we had for finding so much and, uh, we got you know, such a, such a short period of time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, so I, I kind of want to go around and uh, uh, we'll, we'll, Devin, we'll, we'll start with you. And uh, what if, if folks that want to come down and, and visit Paraguay, so what advice would you give anybody who's interested in coming down here for birding or, or herping or just anything in general? Contact me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I will certainly be coming back. Uh, it's been a great experience. Uh, it's a lovely country. The people are wonderful. Uh, everybody's been super helpful. Uh, even if you don't speak uh, much Spanish, uh, I speak zero Guarani. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been absolutely great. There's a lot to see, a lot to do here. Uh, yes, uh, some of the roads could be a little bit better, but uh, hey, that's part of the adventure. Right. Very good. Dermot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a country that doesn't see a lot of American tourists, right? And it's a very, very welcoming country. I, 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 and, and I think it's, it's also pretty easy to navigate around. I mean, some of the roads are a little rough, right? But at least they're straight. <laughs> yeah. very straight <laughs> and and uh and so i i think it's a wonderful country i i think that um there's there's a lot to be discovered here i mean we really scratch the surface right there's so many different areas so many different habitats um obviously to to discover it all you would need a month or more but um we did a lot in the short amount of time we had and, and it, it was fantastic very good um it was a great experience all in all and like everyone else said it's a place that not a lot of tourists come to especially not a lot of herpers it wasn't at the top of my list of any place to go um josh had mentioned it years ago and he, he brought up some really cool species but not some place i would have ever gone if if he hadn't set this up and asked me to go and asked all of you to go as a group which was it was like probably one of the greatest groups i could go with of all the people that came um it's just, it's, it's a very welcoming country and, and it, it has a lot to offer and I'm glad I came. Um, I, I, I probably will come back maybe after COVID's over. Um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't. Maybe you know, after the pain fades a little bit. Maybe a little Yeah. The initial, true. yeah, there was a little initial, uh, trepidation about it, but we did figure it out and, uh, we did as much as we could with what we had. And, um, if people want to come here, they should, they really should, they should enjoy it. And Jose can help you out. And, Ho and Ho Jose can help spread the word. And it's, uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, the red tape at the beginning of the trip, the, the, then the two weeks prior to the trip was very frustrating. Uh, are we going to go? Or are we not going to go? Are we going to go? It's on, it's on, it's not on, it's not on. Uh-oh, flights are changing. And that, we dealt with that for two weeks before the trip. But he, once we got here, uh, we all got excited about going. Of course, we were missing our, our three friends who, who didn't make it. And, uh, and that, that was really heartbreaking for us, but we had to, we had to go on and, 
you know, the people are extremely friendly, uh, not a lot of English spoken. So don't, you know, in Mexico or um, other, other places in Latin America, you can get by with, you know, you know, your, your Spanglish here, uh, not a lot of English is spoken. So you really have to work at, at some things and, um, and for communication, but the people are extremely friendly. Crime seems to be low, very, very low. Uh, the roads are, uh, I mean, they're not in the greatest shape, but they get you from point A to point B. The rental cars are good. Um, and, uh, and, and again, the wildlife is awesome, is just awesome. So in the last 24 hours, I've seen in the wild, uh, a giant anteater and, um, and a Jaguar undie crossing the road today in front of our car. So on top of that, uh, in Bothrops and Epicrates. So, you know, lots of, lots of great things to see and, uh, travel. That's the biggest thing is get out of your comfort zone and travel. And this is just one example of that. Tim, this trip's been especially challenging for me um, because on top of all the bureaucracy and challenges in the beginning, I blew up my back in the middle of the trip and the group has been carrying me uh, figuratively and almost literally uh, for the last half of the trip. Um, But I'm going to go home with some great memories and, and a very positive uh, image of, of Paraguay. I, I, the people are wonderful. The food is, it's different. It's interesting. And, um, I'm just thankful that I got to come here with this group. Uh, these, everybody's been great. I'm going to go home wanting to do it again, maybe in the distant future, but wanting to do it again. Well, thanks everyone. I, I, I just, I'd like to add that a couple things, a couple observations. First of all, uh, there's no trash here. Uh, a lot of places you go in the world, including our own beloved country, the United States, there's trash everywhere on the roadsides. You know, there's bottles, there's cans, there's paper bags, there's you name it. It's on the side of the road. There is nothing here on the side of the road. Occasionally there's things to flip, but there's, there's no garbage. People take pride in their country. I think the, I think the, the Padawans are, are, are proud of their country. I think they take good care of what they have. And, and for them, uh, the idea of just throwing trash on the ground seems to be, uh, it, it's a foreign idea to them. Everything's neat and orderly. Uh, and again, like I said, they're all friend, very, very friendly people. And uh, it was quite a surprise. It was also surprised because if you haven't really traveled, if you travel to Mexico, you you can you kind of get these, in, or Costa Rica, you get these ingrained ideas of what uh, Spanish-speaking countries are like. And then you come down here and there are no tortillas on the shelves, but there are 50 kinds of bread. And, and there's... There's a, a meat counter that's 100 feet long, and I've never seen a cow cut up in so many different ways in all my life. Uh, so, so beef is big, and it's it's just kind of different. Um, not what I expected at any any stage of, of, of the trip. So, so it's very interesting, and uh, hopefully, I get a chance to come back at some point when things are better. This is really not a good year for traveling, uh, and you know, I can I think when we started looking at this last summer, we thought everything would be over by now and and you know it'll be fine we'll be past that we'll, we'll have moved on and and it, it hasn't turned out that way for for much of the world so and so i think we were fortunate to get this trip in of course unfortunately our, our friends weren't able to make it so and i think uh, uh, as far as uh, cool moments just to you know to be able to uh take a trip that had some real problems but we we kind of pounded it out we 
stuck to our guns. We took and applied the knowledge that we have earned the hard way about finding herps and plugged it into a foreign country. So I'm going to give us all a huge pat on the back, and I'm going to only touch your back a little bit, Tim, because I know it's very tender. Uh, but to me, that was a big accomplishment on our part. And uh, and I also just want to say that uh, it was uh, for me, it was the first opportunity to get and rock out with a couple of guitarists who uh, invited me to to yell a little bit, so then sing a little bit. So that was that was fun. I really got a kick out of that. So uh, I had to come all the way to Paraguay for that opportunity. So so I, th- I want to thank Tim and Matt and Jake and Jose and Dermot and Devin for coming on the show and talking to us about this experience. Of course, we have a little uh, interview with uh, our host at the hotel, Madi, and uh, a song from him and his uh, bandmate, Joel, or uh, Jolie? Jolie. Joel? I think it was Joel. Yeah, uh, who are awesome. So we'll we'll include that a part in the show as well. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. Hey. 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 hey there, it's me again. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I want to thank Devin and Tim and Dermot and Jake and Matt and Jose for their participation in the round table at the tail end of the trip. Now, usually we go straight into the closing baseline bit and I sign off, but since this is a special end-of-the-season episode, we're going to do things a little different. Now, one of the things about travel, especially international travel, is that you have to be flexible and you have to be ready for anything. You have to accept that not everything is going to go as planned, uh, but you also have to be ready for unexpected cool stuff to happen. And you have to let it happen, of course, too. So when our group made the decision to move southwest from the Philadelphia area to Graal Diaz and the Hotel Pira, which is at the end of a long road that dead ends at the Rio Pico Mayo, uh, we had no idea what to expect. And, and that includes a guy named Mati. Now, Mati could have just been a, a friendly host at the hotel and bar, and that would have been perfectly fine. Uh, but the dude took it to the next level, uh, taking our group up the the, uh, the river, the Pico Mayo, in his boat to see Yacare Cayman, uh, and uh, hiking to the uh, abandoned army barracks to see vampire bats and some other cool stuff, and uh, also a, a trip to a local estancia for some great birding and uh, Cayman watching. So uh, Mati is quite a guy, and I wish him well, and I hope Things continue to go well for him and his hotel concern. And I hope anyone visiting Paraguay will consider uh, a visit there. But wait, there's more. Uh, As we alluded to in the group conversation, Mati is a singer and musician. And by chance, or perhaps by design, his buddy Joel drove up from Asuncion while we were there. And that trip is, it's a six-hour trip, uh, uh, which is uh, a long way to go to play music. Uh, and it was music night at the Hotel Pira. So, two guys, two guitars. Maddie is on acoustic and Joel handles the electric guitar. And incidentally, Maddie told me that he learned English because he loved rock and roll so much. And he wanted to know what everyone was saying. So, dude is a straight up rock and roller, let me tell you. So, two guys and that's it unless you want to count a handful of beer drinking Americans who were very happy to sing along with the songs they knew and some of the songs they didn't know so well. 
So before the music started, I set up my gear to record a short interview with Mati and to maybe capture a song or two for some flavor, you know. Uh, but I ended up recording over two hours of music. So uh, I selected a few songs to close out this show, and I hope you enjoy them. Uh, we start with a cover of CCR's Who'll Stop the Rain, just to get things going. And then we move to Under My Skin, which is a song written and sung by Joel. And in Guarani, the local indigenous language, no less. And then we'll wrap it up with Mati doing the vocals on Suspira, which you heard a snippet of at the beginning of the show. And hands down, my favorite. So about 16 minutes for your listening pleasure. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will talk again at the beginning of season two. Okay, so we're here. Uh, we're starting this recording. We're at the Hotel Pira, uh, which is at the end of a very long road. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure where we're at in, in exactly in Paraguay, but uh, I'm here with the uh, owner-operator of Hotel Pira, Matty, who is uh, going to tell us a little bit about this place that, that, that you have here. You want to tell us about your hotel and where exactly it's at? Oh, yes. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we are uh, in the region Occidental uh, uh, from Paraguay. It's the the north region of the uh, of Paraguay, and we are in the in this region. We are in the south. We call it the Bajo Chaco. The Bajo Chaco. Uh, Bajo Chaco. Uh, we are in the in the Bajo Chaco from from the region of of the Chaco from Paraguay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And uh, it took us a while to get here, but it's a really cool place. You have a great, great place. It's a great place to stay and a great place to hang out. Thank and, you so uh, much. Uh, I would also want to say that uh, you're not just a proprietor here. You also took us out today in your boat on the river. And I don't remember the name of the river. You can help me out with that. That's Pico Mayo. Pico Mayo. We share that river with Argentina and Bolivia. Okay. So that it comes down from, from the Andes and it starts in Bolivia and it comes the way down uh, to Pozo Hondo and a little bit more. And then we split with Argentina, uh, something like 50 50. Uh, we share it with Argentina and Paraguay. So this is Pilco Mayo. Okay, very good. And you took us out in your boat and you could only take a couple of us out at a time. And we went out to see Cayman uh, Yakari. Uh, which, uh, and some of those are very large caimans, uh, which they, some of them are hanging out near the bridge where people fish, but we went up river and got to see a, a lot more of those. And so that was a pretty exciting experience for everybody here in the group. So, yeah, um, yeah, it is, that is some, something interesting. Me, myself, I like to, I, I like to eat yacare, uh, but, uh, the, the locals, doesn't eat them very much that's something weird uh, but they they but that's why they are so so chill there uh, so because so the locals you, leave them alone right yeah they leave them alone right and me mostly too i if i need one i i get one and that's it because there is thousands of them so right yeah, yeah. quite a few of them out yeah. there yeah so, uh, and we're here at, at the Hotel Pira, and we have quite a bit of a crowd around us now, just not just my Herber buddies, but some other folks that have come here, uh, because this is music night at, 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 your, at your place, and uh, of course you have a hotel and you have rooms, but you have this 
crazy cool bar with all it's decorated and it's just wonderful place to hang out and uh, thank you in a little bit here you're gonna play a little music for us so of course yeah yeah, yeah that's uh, just our guitar player came tonight coel melgarejo and and yeah, so, he's given us a taste and it sounds pretty tasty to me yes so. yes he has so. good taste of rock and roll so yeah, yeah so we're it's looking forward night yeah we're looking forward to hearing from it maybe drink a beer or two and, yeah, oh, and, oh yes so you bet and, uh, so th thanks for talking to us thank appreciate you. it thank and, you and uh, we'll we'll get a little bit of your music recorded for the show as well good so awesome all right thank, thank you. you so much thank you, thank you. Well, folks, we'll do for you guys. Have you ever seen the rain? So, enjoy.
que sigue. ¿Cómo se llama la música, hija? Este. Ah, estos gentlemen de Estados Unidos. Es un, uh, it's, it's a thing that he wrote uh, when he was uh, in, in Argentina, and it's, it's in Guarani. He missed so much Paraguay. He was living in Argentina back then. He wrote that song. Um, enjoy it. It's, it's in Guarani. It's, it's, it, it means go, it goes under my skin. So the, the feeling and everything. So I, th I think the music itself, it goes under the skin. So. Enjoy. Sarai, se pire, pire, 
Yo no soy Maranaro, yo no soy Maranaro, soy capitán, soy capitán. That's it for episode 41 and for season one. And once again, I want to thank Devin, Tim, Dermot, Jake, Matt, and Jose for their help. And a big shout out to Madi and Joel for helping us end the trip on a high note, pun intended. And to suck a little La Bamba bonus track in there at the end to maybe give you a nice earworm for today. And as always, don't forget that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at SoMuchPingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. And you can also reach me directly via email at somuchpingle at gmail.com. No kidding, I'd love to hear from you. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>